Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I want to read to you two different verses. The the first is found in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse, uh, we're going to start in verse 45 and just read two verses. Luke chapter 8, this is the story of a woman that has an issue of blood. For 12 years, she's been sick. For 12 years, she has found no one that can heal her. She has given all of her money. She has searched everywhere for healing and found it wanting. And now here we find her reaching out to Jesus, pressing through the crowd. And in Luke chapter 8, verse 45, the Bible says this, And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you, and they're pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I pray that Jesus would say of today, someone touched me. Someone reached out. Someone came to church. Someone brought their faith and expectation. It's different than a bump. It's different than what what everyone else is doing around you. it's, It's not just the crowd. There was intention. Someone stretched, reached, and touched me. For I perceive that power has gone out from me. I perceive that power has gone out from me. Please hear me. The touch, the reaching, the faith engages the power. Peter says this in in, in 2 Peter. He says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. It's by the divine power that God has given us goodness and life so that we might become partakers of the divine nature. So now what do we do? We supplement. We add to our faith virtue. I want to speak to you about seven virtues over the next seven weeks that I believe God has given to me for us to integrate into our life and into this ministry. And the truth is this, when you reach out to Jesus, you receive his divine nature. And through that, you receive his divine attributes. What am I speaking about? I'm speaking about his virtues. When you reach towards Jesus, you receive his virtues. And I pray that you receive it in the fullness not just in part, but in fullness, in your mind, in your body, and in your soul. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you, God, that you are here with us right now, and God, you are going to speak to us, your people. So right now, we open ourselves to you. We want to hear from you. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said. Come on, all God's people said. Amen. 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 Supplement your faith with virtue, Peter says. Add to your faith, virtue. 
I'm a big proponent of supplements. I'm big into vitamins. I think you should have vitamin C. I'm big time into vitamin D. I don't know if it does anything, but I take the max of the max. Now, I'm not here to shame you if you haven't taken your vitamins in the last three or four months, because I also have forgotten to take my vitamins. I think it's important, I value it, but obviously not enough to do it, you know? What do the vitamins do? Well, they, they supplement a healthy life, a healthy mind. I mean, some of you are into it. Some of you got like leaves, you take alpha and omega oils, you got fish oils, take stuff that's disgusting in the name of health, you're on the supplement train. And I think that's so good. That's so good. But know this, supplements, supplements can never become substitutes. If all you ate and, and all you took in were supplements, if all you ate were vitamins, if all you ate were, were, were these oils, all of a sudden you would be wanting. You got to have some proteins. You got to have some meals. You, 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 can't, you can't exchange a supplement for a, you can't, you can't exchange a supplement as a substitute. And this is true when we speak about virtues. Virtues cannot replace faith. Peter's saying, no, 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 this is an additional thing. This will clarify your faith. This will add health into your faith. This will add strength into your faith. faith. But faith, faith comes first. Virtues come second. Pastor Jude always says, what God blesses as a supplement, you will curse as a substitute. Because, see, virtues are important, but they're important in the right order, in the right priority. Add to your faith virtues. If we try and replace our faith with virtues, that's called moralism. And make no mistake, good can't get you to God. No amount of right behavior, right thinking can get you to God. No, no salvation is attained by faith alone. And by faith, we are forgiven. By faith, we are justified. By faith, we are set free. But now Peter's saying, okay, but now there's another step. How many great are grateful that the salvation journey doesn't stop the minute you get saved, but there's another step. There's another step to take in this journey, and the next step is add to your faith virtue. And I believe virtue is received by faith. It is an expression of the divine nature. So when I speak in this series, I'm not speaking moralism. I'm not saying do better, be better, try harder. Certainly not. What I'm saying is, if you are operating in faith, these virtues are going to become manifest in your life. Because if the Holy Spirit is in you, he begins to show through you. Amen? So the question is, all right, well, what is virtue? What does it look like to live a virtuous life? What is virtue? For the sake of clarity, I'm going to start with the definition. Virtue is the conformity to a standard of right. It is a particular moral excellence. Virtue is the standard. It's the moral excellence. It is, it is the agreed upon right and wrong. Well, all throughout the ages, people have been trying to establish what the primary virtues should be. All the way back to the Greek philosophers. Plato, in his book, The Republic, sets out the four cardinal virtues that, that have been accepted all through this time, and they are prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. Aristotle comes along, and he adds more virtues to that, and he has 12 virtues all of his own. Then the Catholic Church comes, and, 
And in the vein of the Greek philosophers, they add on what they call the seven, the seven capital virtues. And those things are set to fight against the seven deadly sins. So our virtues, the, the way we should be living, begins to pile up through the ages. But in modern time, it seems like virtue is an ancient word. In modern time, it seems like the only virtue we have is when people are virtue signaling. When they're, when they're figuring out the way the crowd is going and saying, I, I agree with them over there. This is getting increasingly difficult because our virtues are changing every day. Right and wrong are flipping and changing and shifting. And, and by nature, it's not virtue. By nature, it's something else. Because virtue is ancient. Virtue is like pillars. They go deep. They're in your character. They are your attributes. And, and so I pray that we have a church of virtuous people, not virtue signaling people. That we find in Scripture the ancient truths and we stand on them and we receive them. Instead of trying to figure out what will make us likable or relevant or what is expedient. No, no, no. We're not here to moral grandstand. We're here to be victorious. We are here to gain ground. We're here to progress. We're here to receive Jesus. So the, the, the question is, well then, if virtue is what is right or what is wrong, who sets the standard? Is it the Greeks? Is it the Roman Catholic Church? Is it secular culture with its ever-changing philosophies? If virtue is the moral standard, who sets the standard? Who do we follow? How do we live? I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the standard. He is the personification of a virtuous life. He shows us what it looks like. He shows us what it sounds like. He sets the ethic. And if you want to receive the attributes of heaven, reach for Christ. If you want to receive the characteristics of heaven, reach out to, to the cross. If you want to receive the mind of God, reach for Jesus. This is why I'm doing this series, because I hope that we will place these virtues that we receive from Jesus deep in our lives, and they will make us deadly to the devil. They will make us powerful in spiritual warfare. They will give us a stand to take a stand on. And I've chosen seven virtues, some of which go back to the Greek, some of which go back into in, the church, but, but all of which are found in Jesus, and all of which I believe are what we need right now for this season of our lives. Seven virtues that we would have in our character, seven virtues that we can give to our children, seven virtues that we can get in our community. But in order to receive virtue, please hear me, you must reach for Christ. Virtue, virtue that lasts, virtue that's eternal comes from him and comes from him alone. Amen? Amen. This is where we find this woman with the issue of blood. She is in the midst of a dire situation. She's in the midst of, of sickness. And what is she doing? She's reaching for Jesus. She's pressing through the crowd. The Bible tells us that for 12 years she suffered. And she went to every healer. She went to every doctor. She went to the priest. She went to the law. And yet she could not become clean. 
The law literally would disregard her as unclean due to her condition. So for 12 years, she suffered. For 12 years, she could not be in temple. For 12 years, she couldn't be around the priest. But here comes a different kind of rabbi. Here comes the one that reaches to the leper. Here comes the one that touches the unclean. Here comes the one that accepts the unacceptable. And she can tell this time with this one, it's different. And I want you to please hear me. Where tradition fails you, where the priest can do nothing for you, where the law falls short, Jesus reigns supreme. He is strong. He is mighty. He is just. And the best part is he is open. He's open. And she knows it. And so she says, today I'm not going to be stopped. Today, I'm going to get to Jesus. I don't know where you're coming from, and I don't know what you've been dealing with, but know this. Even if it's been over a decade of you struggling with your sin, today is the day that it can be broken. Now is the hour of salvation. Jesus is the one that can bring the fulfillment. He is that good. He is that good. And I want you to please hear me. Your struggle doesn't discount you. And even in your struggle, reach for the Savior. Press for the presence. Move towards the Almighty. i got to commend this woman that she tried and tried and tried, and God took notice. God took notice. Even though the Bible says all her living could not set her free. In other words, that every penny that she made went to her condition. Everything she tried moved into this obsession of healing. All her money went into this condition, but what she could not buy, God gives freely. He's a good God, and he's got something in his nature that you and I need in our nature. He's got something in his body that we need in our body. It's his power of his Holy Spirit. It's his virtue. This woman can tell this, this is the answer. So she begins to join the crowd and presses towards Jesus. The only problem is Jesus is walking away from her. Jesus is on a different mission. He's concerned with someone else. He's on his way to heal a young woman, 12 years old, and has just died. And I don't know what it is, but it's something in there about the 12-year-old girl that just died and this woman's been struggling for 12 years. There's just something about it in there. I don't know what it represents, but know that if it's in the Bible, it's there for a reason. It's almost like he's going to heal this young woman, but here's this older woman that says, but I've got an issue too. And Jesus is moving towards this young girl, and you might say, well, well, that's it. I don't feel his presence anymore. God's obviously not focused on me. It's not the same. God, God's dealing with other people. Who am I? She could have discounted herself. I'm not going to interrupt the master. I'm not going to interrupt the procession. There are all people around. Certainly she was embarrassed about her condition, wanted to remain hidden, and yet she chose to not allow the conditions around her to determine her reactions, to determine her choice. Even the fact that it seems like God is preoccupied wasn't good enough to stop her. And I want you to please hear me today. Sunday isn't for someone else. It's for you. Salvation isn't for someone else. It's for you. Forgiveness, freedom, it's not for someone else. It's for you. 
You might even say, but I, I, I haven't felt his presence in a, in a long time. Well, I, I haven't heard his voice. When I pray, it seems like he's not answering. Can I encourage you? Don't allow, don't allow that temporary situation to stop your eternal pursuit of Jesus. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you reach, he'll stop. If you press, he'll answer. So this woman has to press. And what does she have to press through? The crowd. It's always the crowd. It's always the crowd that you're going to have to press through. Everybody's always going to have an opinion. You're always going to have the fear of man. You're always going to have the desire for approval of others. And if you will make that your foremost, you'll never get to Jesus. You're always going to have to press through the crowd. You're always going to have to cast aside what people think. You're always going to have to press through opinion. You're always going to have to move aside what, what the world might say or where, the, where secular culture is headed. You're always going to have to press through the crowd. That's just the truth of it. And I pray our church does not go with the crowd. I pray we press through the crowd. We're not here to ask your permission. We're not here to ask your opinion. We are here for the presence of Jesus Christ. Press. Press. So are you with me? Here is a woman that's sick and in need of deliverance. Here is someone that needs Jesus, and, and so she has to press through everything else that's going on to get to the only thing that matters, the only thing that will bring healing, the only thing that will restore her. She's coming for Jesus. And the Bible says that she reaches out and just touches the fringe of the hem of his garment. It's like, to me, it's such a beautiful picture. It's like, it's the tiniest, tiniest part of Jesus. It's like she doesn't even touch the, the person. She just gets to touch the presence. And can I tell you, the presence is enough. The presence is enough. In the presence, you can find healing. In the presence, you can find fulfillment. In the presence, you can find forgiveness. And his presence is here today. The presence is enough. If you could just get in the presence of God. And I want to encourage you, the presence doesn't just show up on Sundays. The presence can be in your, in your car. The presence can be in your room. You can go to sleep in the presence, wake up in the presence. The moment you reach for the presence, the presence reaches for you. He is a good God ready to stop the procession of heaven for you. You must just reach. You might say, well, what does this have to do with virtues? What does this have to do with attributes? Hear me. When you reach for Jesus, you receive his divine nature. I want the attributes of God. I want his healing. I want his forgiveness. Anything he's got to give, we want. And so she presses through. And, and to me, this story reminds me of Eve, the first child of God. Do you remember when she reached out and she touched the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? She, she accepted evil. And she already knew, she already knew good because she knew God. So she only experienced and learned of evil. And, and, and I, see, I see Eve reaching out in foolishness and, 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 and making a mistake that brought a curse on her, brought a blood curse on her. She made that mistake. But now I see this woman like a second Eve. She's reaching out again. 
but this time to the tree of life. This time to the one who forgives. This time to the one who breaks the curse. And I just want to encourage you today. Maybe in your past you have made mistakes that have shattered your world. Maybe they've shattered relationships. Maybe your children won't talk to you. Maybe it caused a divorce. Maybe you did some very foolish things that seem to have brought a curse over your life. And you would say, I have known evil, and I have lived in darkness, and my life has been difficult. And if I'm being honest, it was my own fault. I bought into a lie. I listened to a snake. I made the mistake. It was my own fault. But I'm here to encourage you today that you can reach again. That the tree of life, the way of life, the way of forgiveness, he has shown up again. And there will always be obstacles. There will always be the crowd. There will always be the people to remind you of who you were. There will always be the enemy telling you you're unclean. But hear me, your uncleanliness never triumphs over God's grace. The way is open to you, for he says, I am the way. My encouragement to you is reach again. You say, well, I've fallen short. The worst thing that can happen as I preach about these virtues is for the enemy to use them to attack you. Well, I don't have that in my life. Reach again. Well, I used to be like that. Reach again. Well, I used to be one way. I used to talk one way, but I've regressed. I've backslidden. I've become less of who I'm called to be. Reach again. For the divine nature is open to you. The way of Jesus is made for you. And just one touch can change you. Reach again. Romans 3.23 says, All have fallen short of the glory of God, yet God has freely taken the penalty of our sins and placed it upon his son. It's Jesus that breeds forgiveness in your life. Amen? And I just, I just sense this too by the Holy Spirit. Don't wait for the right moment. Today's the day of salvation. Well, when I get better, well, when I read the Bible more, when, well, when I'm at church for three straight weeks, well, well when things settle down, well, 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 when, well, when I feel. Don't wait. Press. Press. And press again until you reach the hem of his garment. Here, Jesus is walking, and this woman is chasing him, and Jesus says this, who touched me? Who touched me? The touch of God transfers the nature of God. Who touched me? Jesus is walking with the crowd, and he stops and says, something just changed. Peter, of course, always the helpful uh, disciple, is like, what are you talking about? There are millions of people here. Who touched you? Peter is like, I love Peter. He's not dumb, but he does say dumb things. You know? Jesus is talking on spirit. Peter's like, there's a lot of guys around here. I don't know what you're, you know? And it's just, it feels like me. I just, every time I read Peter, it's like, there I am. Right in scripture, just saying the dumb stuff. And I always feel like Jesus is like the older brother, like always patting Peter on the head, like, yeah, you're, you're going to get all right. You're going to make it through, bud. You know, all right. Like God's so good, and it's proven because he keeps Peter around, you know. But Jesus said, no, no, there was intention to this touch. There was intention. There was foresight. There was force. You know, someone, someone pushed through. Someone was intentional with this touch. And I pray that that is who you are, that, that we don't have a church of cultural Christians, 
that are just going with the flow and, and, and that, that are just showing up because that's what we do, what, what our parents did or, or what good people do. I, I pray that we're not people that just go with the crowd because the crowd will usually eventually lead you away from Christ. Don't forget, in the end, the crowd shouted, crucify him. So I, I don't want to just go with whatever the crowd is doing, hoping I get a little bit of Jesus. I want to be intentional in my pursuit and in my reaching for the body and the blood of Jesus. I want his defined nature. I don't want to just be around him. I want him. Because it would be one of the saddest things in the world if you came to church Sunday morning, week after week, and you were in the crowd of Jesus' people, but you never touched Jesus. It would be one of the saddest things if you bumped up against him, brushed up against him, but were never intentional in receiving him. I pray you're more than a cultural Christian. I pray you're a radical Christian. You're a Jesus follower. And that Jesus consents, hey, someone, someone, someone touched me intentionally today. When you come on Sunday morning, I pray you come with this perspective. I'm coming to receive from God. Well, what about the sermon? I'm coming for Jesus. Well, what about the worship? I'm coming for Jesus. Well, what if you have to sit next to the person that smells? I'm coming for Jesus. I am that person. <laughs> I, I, I think it's powerful when people approach with faith. I think that probably is the number one thing that makes up the church, faith. You know, like we do our best to make it cool in here, and I am hot. But we do our best to have the atmosphere. I'm sweating. It's crazy. I, I, we do the best to have the lights and the, the graphics. But can I tell you the most important thing about church? Like even more than the music, more than the preaching, is that you are here with your faith. Faith touches heaven. Faith demands on the anointing. Faith reaches God. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God because those that approach him have to approach through faith. But if you bring your faith on Sunday morning, make no mistake, it gets God's attention. And I can almost see God from heaven looking down here, Smithfield, Rhode Island, on a Sunday morning saying, someone's touching me. Someone's reaching and I'm ready to respond. Amen. It's interesting. What all her living could not attain, Jesus releases with one touch. What all of her pursuing could not get, Jesus gives with one touch. And, and the, the reality is humanity, you and I, we are broken. We are sick. We are hemorrhaging. And we have a brokenness that only God can heal. And this is... This is true of all of humanity, that we live in a secular society that desperately needs salvation, needs eternal salvation. Only Jesus can heal what's internal, what's going on on the inside. In a moment, we're going to take communion together. And when we partake in communion, what are we doing? We're taking part in the body and the blood of Jesus. His body was broken so that you would not have to live in brokenness. His blood was poured out so that you would not have to live under the authority of sin. For it is the blood of Jesus that breaks curses. It is the blood of Jesus that raises the dead. It is the blood of Jesus that holds the authority in it. And it is the blood of Jesus that brings life onto you. So make no mistake, when you come into the presence of God and you partake in communion and you are around his people and you are reaching for his presence the bible says that's the moment 
where his divine power has granted to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now when you become partakers of the divine nature, you receive his divine attributes. Jesus said someone touched me and they said it, it was everybody, but this woman knew, no, it was me. I was intentional. And Jesus said, no, I felt power. I perceived power transfer from me to someone that desired it. I felt my nature transfer. Do you know what the, new, what the King James, the word the King James uses? It says virtue. I felt virtue leave me. Someone got my nature. Someone got my healing. Someone got my attributes. I pray today we receive his virtue so that we would be restored, so that we would be forgiven, so that we would be changed. His power is greater than sin. Come on, how many are thankful that his virtue is transferable to us? You might say, well, I just can't see it. I can't see myself healed, or I can't see myself strong, or or, I can't see myself not bitter. I want you to please hear this truth. If it is personified by Jesus Christ, it's available to you. If you can see it in Jesus, one day you can see it in you. I can't see myself forgiving. If Jesus forgave, you can forgive. I can't see myself free. If Jesus was free, then you can be free. If you can see it in Jesus, it's available to you, the divine nature of Christ. Amen? So over the next few, uh, next few weeks, we're going to look through the virtues that were personified in Christ that are available to you. And I, I pray they're even more than available. I pray they're present in you and that we grow. There are three virtues that I believe we see in Jesus and three virtues that we should see in every saint. And the, th- the first three, I'm not going to give you all seven, but the first three are this. The virtuous man or woman is faithful, truthful, and humble. Three virtues personified by Jesus. Faithful, truthful, and humble. Faithful, truthful, and humble. These are things that we see in the life of Christ. Jesus is, he's faithful. He's faithful. The Bible says faithful to a thousand generations. He's not just going to be faithful to you. He's going to be faithful through you to all of your lineage and all of your legacy. He's a faithful God. Amen. He's not looking to coerce you. He's not looking to manipulate you. He's not looking to use you. He's looking to be faithful to you. Even when you are unfaithful to him, he is faithful to you because it's based on him. He is the virtuous one. He is faithful. God is faithful when you aren't faithful. God is faithful when the world isn't faithful. The Bible says that he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He even says to his disciples, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the end. I'm going to be faithful to you. The Bible says that at the end of time in Revelation, that that heaven will be open. Behold, a white horse and the one sitting on it is called faithful. To the end of the age, he's going to be faithful to his people. When the enemy looks like he's winning, God's going to be faithful to his people. Gandalf's got nothing on God. God's going to show up and he's going to win. He's faithful. And more than that, he's truthful. He's faithful and true. God doesn't manipulate or lie. God doesn't misdirect. 
God's truthful. And he's truthful with the intent of setting you free. Remember what Jesus says. He says, I am the way and I am the truth. He says, the reason I came was to testify to truth. I pray that we are people that stand with Christ and stand on truth. We live in a day and age where truth is, the, the, the scope of truth is getting more and more narrow. The people willing to stand on truth are getting fewer and fewer. But I pray you and I make our decision. And we set our virtue. And we say we're going to be truthful to God. Truthful to ourselves. We're not going to align ourselves with lies. We're not going to allow just anything. Go along to get along. No, we, we're going to be truthful people. And we're going to stand on the word of God. We see it in Jesus. Make Jesus see it in us. And the last virtue we see is that he's humble. He's humble. We see divine humility in him. The Bible says, in being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He is faithful, he is truthful, and he is humble. May we receive these divine virtues. When this woman touched Jesus, she received healing. And maybe healing in your body and your mind is what you need. Reach out to Jesus. But I believe that even more than faith, that we will receive virtue from God. Supplement your faith. Add to your faith virtue. And these are three that if God would look down and see it in his people, I believe it would make us very deadly to the devil. Alive in Christ. Powerful in our lives. When you reach out to Jesus, you receive his divine nature and his virtues. My question is, just starting with these three, are they evident in your life? If not, begin to pray, God, I want to see. I want to, I want to see faithfulness. I don't want to say one thing and, and do another. God says, let your yes be yes, your no be no. No, God, God, help me be faithful to myself, to you, to my spouse, to those around me, reliable and dependable. Help me be truthful. Help me show humility. You know, you know pride, pride always makes you less. Pride always leads to a fall. But humility, God can trust to promote. I pray humility is found in your life. When we begin to get these virtues on us and in us, these virtues will make us victorious. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.